Hello, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Tabletop Theater. Last time, our heroes emerged from the remains of a laboratory to a world changed. A world at war. However, no grand armies or glorious victories are had. Those that remain seem little more than walking corpses, forever caught in a perpetual cycle of death. What there once was has now faded. What faith lets those that remain persist? Faith in the angels? Faith in mankind? Or faith in something else? Let's find out. Wire lines to send from the airship. You, your prisoner, and the brown-clad rescuers all grab hold of the lines that now draw you up. As you're drawn up, you watch the battlefield below. Something occurs. Almost drawn from the blood-soaked grounds, you see a white vaporous substance pulled to some far-off place in the distance on the battlefield. Following this, the bodies of the freshly dead convulse. Some feebly rise as if following a routine back to their respective sides. Others don't rise, they instead collapse, and dark Icarus substances pour from their orifices, congealing into something that is unmistakably a demon. You reach the inside of the airship, arriving in the hangar containing a variety of supplies and mechanisms for deploying. As you reach the top of this, you are greeted by a shout of exultation. Somebody goes and runs up and hugs you, Lola. It's a short, dwarven woman whose face seems to have aged considerably since you last saw her. Oh, Robin. At times somewhat scarred and even soft from overhealing, she smiles and says, Damn, I didn't think I'd ever see you guys again. Where the hell have you been? Oh, Robin, I, I think time has passed us by. We... Something happened to us on our last mission, and... I think our very lives were drained from us, and by some miracle, we're back. Truly, how long has it been? War has broken out. Soldiers are rising from the earth. What? What is happening? Yeah, it seems like it's been a few weeks since we stepped inside that laboratory. A few weeks? You're kidding me, right? It wasn't snowing when we entered. You guys have been gone for three years. Hell, it's just good to see you guys. Who's the, uh, ugly mug you brought with you? Oh. He's here to answer some questions. You needn't mind him. <laughs> but, Robin, this little girl was with us in the laboratory. This is Rosalind. Rosalind, this is our dear old friend Robin. She smiles congenially at the little girl, says, Hey, how's it, uh, how's it going, sport? The girl doesn't really react other than to, like, clutch onto one of your spider legs a little closer, Lola. Chosh is going to, uh, walk up to Robin, um, very closely and say, Robin, what, what's happened to what I left you with? Oh, that old thing? Don't worry, I got my best boys on it. 
Robin, it's not an old thing. It's, it, it, it's Josh, it's not going anywhere. It hasn't changed for three years. It'll be fine. I Like I said, I've got the best boys on it. Oh. It's with the Queen still at Bramblethorne Manor. We can head there right now if you want. That's frankly where we were going anyway. We have to. Uh, all we right. have to. Uh, okay, that's <laughs> totally fine. All Look. right. <laughs> some of your rescuers start taking off some of their uniforms. They wore this brown uniform with a symbol of a nightingale on the back, a white nightingale with a crescent moon on its chest. These figures take off their bird-like masks, and you recognize many of them as being the crew of the Dark and Stormy. Former Captain Paloma, Julep, Jin, Corkscrew, and of course, Peter Panthony. But in addition to this crew, you also see another person who was not part of the Dark and Stormy. This man takes off his mask, and you recognize someone, Drifter. You recognize your son. Drifter is just kind of, like, stare aghast. Uh, yeah. Very surprised by this turn of events. How how much older is he? Is he look, so he's now 20... He, yeah. was, he, was eight, he was 19 when I left him? Yeah. He looks... I mean, he's certainly matured in these couple of years. You, you can see bags under his eyes. His face is kind of more... is more structured and more matured. He has a sort of grizzled look. You can even see the semblance of a unkempt beard starting to come in, much like yours. It's a bit of a late bloomer. Drifter will... Uh, kind of stare for a second and then walk over and put his hand on his shoulder and say, good to see you, son. He nods. He says, it's good to see you too, Dad. Uh, Drifter, I think there's actually uh, someone else here for you who, uh, well, I'll let her uh, take care of that. She's in the cockpit. So this is what's become of the Nightingale Watch? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's only about half of it. Really? Yeah, we got some more boys. Don't worry. Quality boys. Oh. Think you know them. She gives you a wink. Oh, well, that's excellent. I, I, I can just... Well, I'm, I'm frankly just astonished that it lived on. Well, someone's got to look out for the little guy. I mean, hell, hardly anything's left. And uh, with that, I like just throw my arms around her again. And give her a tighter hug. Oh, the first thing you're going to do is try to kill me when you get back, Strength huh? check. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but you d- you've done good work, Robin. <laughs> you've done wonderful work, my dear. But, Robin, what's happened with the war? What, uh, it's such a gruesome battle down there. Yeah. Robin, what's happened with the war? We've missed so much. Which countries are actually winning in this fight. Robin, is there any end in sight? Your question's uh, kind of funny, honestly. Countries, hell. I don't think anybody cares about those anymore. Nobody knows what's going on down there. Sure, it started out as wars between countries, but hell, you've seen what it's like down there. Everyone's just attacking each other. It's as if the whole world's gone mad. It's hard for me to say this, but uh, it's not really a war between countries anymore. It's a war between the faith and, well, they call themselves the Knights of the Swan. But, well, it's someone you know. 
Siegfried and his ilk have been, well, gathering supporters. Well, the war started out normal enough, but really there wasn't any winner at all. Seemed like no one was getting anywhere. People just ran, died in the same places over and over and over. I think you got the gist of that down there. But the only one who really seemed to come out of this unscathed was the Faith. They're really the only ones who've managed to stay out of it for a while. And if anything, the angels seemed like they were more powerful than ever. But then Siegfried and, well, they used to call themselves the Heenan. Now they're going by his name. They started getting all the people that were left astray by the faith and by these countries. And, well, he's kind of made a name for himself now. Robin, I think that we should sit down and have a, have a chat, catch up on some things. Sure. Also, also well, uh, can we get a drink? Uh, yeah, of course. Don't worry. Uh, luckily, Arthur has uh, kept the place well stocked. And, well, there's uh, certainly no shortage of alcohol, considering how few people are left. Let's I've go. Been, I've been meaning to ask about Arthur. We'll get into it later, I'm sure. She takes you back into the more richly furnished area of this airship. This is like an area that has sort of like Arthur's museum pieces that he liked to put in there. There's like a large oak table. You know, it's kind of carved much like, almost like a tree stump in some ways. You go past this into the cockpit where you see a woman steering the uh, the airship. Robin says, Catherine, set a course for Bramblethorn. Aye, Captain. She turns and sees you, Drifter. She says, You son of a bitch, where have you been? She starts walking over to you and punches you hard in the shoulder. Drifter will kind of like grab her arm that's now on her shoulder and just kind of hold it and say, we had to take a little trip, but we're back now. Yeah, uh, a bit of a vacation, really. Three years, not long enough for you, huh? You would not believe it if I told you. Yeah, well, try me with this day and age. John's going to walk up to Robin and say, Robin, what, um, where, where, where are the faith? Where's, where's diligence? What, how can we, how can I find them? My magic isn't working. Well, uh. Couldn't really say about that, but, uh, I mean, the hell, the faith is still kicking. It's really just the faith in, you know, the Knights of the Swan now. She kind of, like, rolls her eyes when she says this. Yeah, diligence is still around. I mean, so is pride and greed. The only one who really faded away was actually gluttony. He... He's gone. Josh. I don't know if you're particularly close to that, Angel, but... Gluttony's gone? Yeah. Don't act so eaten up about it. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> Got him. That makes the okay symbol blow her waist. And then she punches no, you, you, you me. Robin, I don't understand these arcane signs. <laughs> <laughs> An angel is gone. Yeah, Josh. I mean, he's, he's gone. It's, it's all very sad. How do, how do they do it? It seems like people just stopped following him. I mean, there's not much to go around. I mean, it's not particularly strange that Gluttony be the first to go in war. I mean, come on. Mm. Well, the other guys are stronger than ever, it seems. That's not very surprising. I'm sure Diligence will be very happy to hear that you're okay, Josh, though. Is the Nightingale Watch not operating with the Faith? How, how would you not know how to contact them? She kind of scratches the back of her head and she says, uh, yeah, we kind of, you know, we lost touch, didn't have their number. You weren't really around, Shosh, so, you know, we, we didn't want to be rude and, like, speak on your behalf or anything like that. What is this organization if not 
one based in faith and values. She looks at Lola and she says, Good point, Shash. My mistake. I thought we were a group of the people sort of thing, you know, looking out for the little guy. But hey, what do I know? That's what the faith <laughs> does. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Let's, uh, you know, Shash, I'd love to debate philosophy with you, but uh, let's keep it till we get to Bramblethorn. I think, uh, I think it'll clear your mind a little bit. Well, Robin, while I am certainly proud of the Nightingale's Watch, of the, the, the growth of the Nightingale Watch, I am rather bemused. How did you exactly assemble this rather motley crew? As I gesticulate to Jin and Julep, apparently arm wrestling over in the corner. Yeah, you definitely see that. They've kind of pulled the table into this room. You get the sense that this is like an ongoing occurrence. In fact, one of the chairs looks like it's been uh, repaired several times. Uh, and in fact, in the course of this scuffle, uh, Jin eventually slams Julep's hand so hard it breaks the table. You see uh, Corkscrew kind of pick up the two pieces and start uh, trying to corkscrew them back together with her corkscrew. Yeah, I, I don't anybody wants to arm wrestle with corkscrew. Yeah, she's she doesn't seem particularly popular. <laughs> Oh, no. Robin says, <laughs> Robin says, well, you wouldn't believe this if I told you, but it's the truth. You know, the dandy boys, turns out Captain Fondant and, you know, the rest of them started getting along with the dark and stormy after a while. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, turns out that our little intervention uh, really helped them both out in the end. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess the dandy boys have helped them turn over a new leaf, so to speak, and, well, they keep their sharp edges, but that's not a problem. And if anything, they're helping the dandy boys keep a sharper edge anyway. You know, they weren't exactly the sharpest knives in the in the tool shed. But uh, hey, look, I mean, this is only part of the Nightingale Watch. I think you'll be excited to see the rest of us. Really? Um, Robin? Yeah. What's up? Robin, have you heard about Hildy? Has she been well these last few years? What's become of her? Robin's mood visibly darkens. Hildy and I haven't talked in a while. The last I heard, well, she was still at the pit. She was sent there under order of greed to, well, do whatever her secret mission was. Hmm. I haven't heard from her. That place is deadly and terrible. There's no means of corresponding with her? Look, I don't even know if Hildy would talk to us anymore. We didn't leave on the best of terms, as you saw. I don't know. I guess we could always try going back to her. I think in these times it's best to... hold together as strongly as we can. Yeah, I suppose so. You continue the rest of the journey, catching the crew up on your escapades where you had went inside this facility. You eventually reach Bramblethorn Manor. The airship lets you descend. It hovers outside of the grounds. As you pass through the wrought iron gates, appropriately adorned with a large spider, you take in the sizable, austere manner. Its gothic architecture gives off a sense of both authority and unwelcoming, a feeling that is not helped by the fact that much of the yard of the manor has not been manicured for years. The building itself is covered in twisting ivy, almost strangled by the vines. The once pristine path to the manor has been overrun and overturned by the persistent forces of nature that have been left 
to run wild for years. And you suspect the garden there fares much worse. Lola, as you walk down this courtyard, you're filled with old memories. You can almost hear the faint sounds of merrymaking and light music playing. You can see yourself dancing like you once were in the past. Your sisters dancing with you. Your mother and father smiling at you. Many of your house guests looking onwards, drinking, having a good time. But this is long since past. And the area is completely overrun and scarcely resembles at all what what it once housed. I shiver faintly. I, I like lightly shiver as I live through those memories and walk on towards my former manor, my childhood home. You enter into what was once a well-kept and ancient house, befitting an aristocrat. The molding here displays all signs that the tenants who once lived here had a lot of money to spare. The lights here are old-fashioned, but still electric, a sign that they were likely bought in a time where such a thing was considered a luxury. But now, left unattended for years, lacking renovation, the building feels far more oppressive and outdated. Old paintings adorn the walls. They are realistic depictions of various nobility, Scenes of nature or hunting trips seem like they wouldn't feel out of place in a museum. There seems to be little area of the building that is not adorned by some painting, boudoir, or table. As you enter, you see, directly in front of you, a living room. You see an old woman sitting in a rocking chair, surrounded by a variety of chipper, young, familiar-looking men. One, a portly sort, looks up from a map, smiles wide, and waddles over to you. It's Captain Fondant, and he says, Well, all be, I didn't think I would see you all over again in my lifetime. What has it been? Must three hot years? Boys, come here. Come here immediately. The back. Um, you see the entire crew of the SS Malamar assemble, the dandy boys, all of them. Uh... He says, Boys, and attention. Although we wandered far from sea, you know those dandy boys will be here for me. With a full crew, we will be true. We fight for freedom and for you. Though the SS Malamar we departed, we welcome you with open-hearted kindness. And then they take a bow. My word! And that's just act one of our five-act <laughs> series that we've had three years to work on. All right, from the top, boys. Five, six, seven. No, no, seven. no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't take a rain check on that one, Captain. Oh, how delightful. Oh, Captain Fondant. Oh, dandy boys. Captain Fondant. What a <laughs> pleasure it is to see you and your majesty. I am so pleased to see you are in good health. Yeah, she's wandered out from her chair, and she was clapping with the rest of you. Says, "Oh yes, aren't they great? It truly has been a pleasure to be here with my former sus subjects, enjoying their lovely tunes." Hmm. Yes. How have you been keeping in this old, old house? Well, I, I oh dear, it's been, oh dear, it's been simply wonderful being here. Frankly, my son did me a favor. I think. What with the state of things now, it seems like I'm the one who dodged a bullet. <laughs> 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 
But no, it's been more than adequate, dear. Your, your lodging is quite quaint. It's very humble. I, I much prefer it to the palatial palace that I used to adorn. I'm sorry, has your son been shot? Oh, no, not as such. Merely the country is in ruin, all that. Now I won't be at least remembered for the one doing it. Oh. Not much I can do, I'm afraid. Instead, I've been, well, helping out your little crew. Isn't that right, Captain Illyria? Um, the kind of oh. stoic woman who you wants, who wants to help you with the rescue of the queen nods in the distance. And I, I nod to Captain Illyria. It's a pleasure to see you, ma'am, as well. Well, please, make yourself at home. It is your home, after all. I'm afraid we'll, we haven't been able to do too much with... The decor, it's only been three years. This place was quite un- uninhabitable before before we arrived. We've done quite a thing to spruce up at least the interior, I'm afraid. Well, thank you, Your Majesty, though I imagine this will, it'll be quite difficult to find this place home after so very long. Of course. Well, please, I won't, I won't keep you. Enjoy your friends. I'm sure you have much to talk about. So what would you all like to do? Uh, yeah, Chosh is going to run up to um, Captain Fonda and, and say, um, s- Sir, there's a very important... Uh... Oh, that's right! Crispin, where is that secret co- Where is that secret angel container that you had? No, 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 please. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, sir, right here, sir. I should put this secret angel, uh, we've been keeping it... <laughs> <laughs> we've so been, good. yeah, we've been keeping the uh, secret angel uh, down in uh, the guest room. With uh, he's been this sitting there with uh, a, <laughs> he's been sitting there with a uh, Robin. Yeah, you see uh, the secret angel, you know the one that we covered with a sheet. Crispin, what? <laughs> and just telling him yes. Crispin. Oh, it's quite all right, boy. Don't worry about it. There are we're all friends here. We all know about the secret angel that you have stored upstairs. That doesn't make me happy. Oh, don't worry about it. I, these boys here, I trust these boys with my life. They wouldn't sell you out for a word. They wouldn't say a single word about this. Isn't that right, boys? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right, sir. That's right. You you run upstairs to check on the angel. You tear off the sheet, which has been very lazily concealing it, as oh if it was God. like some old boudoir, and uh, it's still there. Everything seems fine about it. In the meantime, downstairs, you see the crew of the Dark and Stormy say, It's about time that uh, we get back out there. We can't stick around too long. Some folks might need us. We'll head back in about three days. Is that all right? Robin can stick here with you and Catherine. We'll handle the rest. The crew of the Dark and Stormy start boarding back onto the airship, heading off. Chosh is just going to take some time to, like, marvel at what this is. When he first encountered it, it sort of was like fast event, fast event, fast event. And now he finally has, I mean, there's a lot going on, but in that way that this, this angel is all the more comforting. It's mm-hmm. like in a, in this, suddenly the faith is something that he can't immediately contact. His spells are gone. And now here's an actual angel right here. Um, and it brings like this weird sense of hope. Um, and Chosh uh, starts looking for an opening in the it's a, it's like a casket right yeah Josh, you can search around the house lola helps point you out to an old gardener's shed which has been ill kept up and frankly run over you have to pound several times on the door for it to finally get busted open you break the door on the process oh good job dear well you may help yourself to 
whatever remains in here. I, for, uh, honestly, I really didn't visit it much as a child. It's rather spooky. Chash is going to like sort of like tap like random like spinning metallic <laughs> objects sort of spinning this sort of like metallic blade on an unidentifiable device. Chosh, in this room you find a variety of strange containers of chemicals that seem to be used for gardening, but could also be easily something that could be explosive if used in the wrong hands and combined very poorly. In addition to this, you do find other tools like hammers, crowbars, you find other gardening equipment. You pick up one of these crowbars and you head back to break open the angel. Josh will Josh will go back upstairs with the crowbar um, and uh, do a quick. Uh, there's probably not a pre-prepared. I'm about to sin and I'm sorry about it. Prayer. Mm-hmm. So Josh will sort of ad lib it. Forgive my transgressions before they occur, for I know they to be unjust. Yet in your service, I must perform them, and for this I say, I'm sorry. All right, roll a strength check. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a one? It's a 20. Oh, nice. Josh, you uh, slam the crowbar into a crack. You you, uh, push on it. It bursts the door open. The angel just stays there laying, completely unmoving, completely unaware of you, seemingly dead, Um, just as it was before. Wow. Josh will um, close the casket. Um, and start thinking of some things that might help. Drifter, what would you like to do in these days that you're resting at the house? What's the first thing you'd like to do? Drifter will, um, first he will approach um, Lola, Mm. asking for a good place to keep Argus, because she knows this house better than anybody. Let me think. It's been... A long, long time since I've been back here, but I do believe the best place to store a captive is our wine cellar. I I don't think it's very well stocked, so you needn't worry. And, you know, we can keep him bound, and by, I mean, regardless, if he does, if and if he does happen to take a drink or two, it might be easier to extract information from him if he's slightly inebriated. So, uh, yes, let's take him down there, shall we? Sounds good to me. You cart off Argus, the gorilla man, downstairs. Once you get to the door, you notice that this door appears to have been attacked, is a good way to put it, as if multiple people have been trying to open it, but to (laughs) no avail. Uh, Robin is actually with you. She says, yeah, we've been uh, trying to open that door for mm, three years now. It just won't seem to budge. Are, are you quite serious? It's, it's it's rather simple. All you have to do is... Lola, as you place your hand on the door and pull, mm-hmm. the door seems to magically unlock. There. You as just it... have to, you know, pr- press down the handle and pull it towards you as a door usually operates. Robin, like, eyes, eyes widen. She says... Well, if you'll excuse me for a moment, she walks in and <laughs> grabs a f- couple of bottles. Says, you know, just make a little room for you guys, you know. Don't want to bother you. Well, oh, I'll be us. That's very thoughtful of you, yeah, Robin. Of Thank you. Yeah, I'll see you guys later. I'll be upstairs. Oh, um, I missed you so uh, much. Uh, Drifter will, will bring Argus down, um, kind of, you know, uh, bind him to a pole, 
in the middle of, of the room, away from any wine, ideally. Nice. Mm-hmm. An innately carved pillar. Yes. Uh, so Drifter will, will say to Argus, well, I'll be back with some food later. Um, you stay right here. And he's like a bottle of wine as he's heading back upstairs um, to go greet his son. Well, since uh, introductions are already about of the way, uh, suppose you have some questions about why I might be here. I was curious. And Drifter will open the bottle of wine, take a sip, and then hand the bottle over to his son. He eyes it. He shakes his head and says, all right, fine. He takes a take, takes the bottle and takes a sip, takes a big glug of it, hands it back to you. Well, after war started, seeing how, uh, seeing what you all did, and I kind of got to thinking about what really right and what's wrong, and it wasn't long before some of that fighting came on down to Juno, and, well, I started seeing things firsthand, and I couldn't rightly agree with how the faith was dealing with it. And, well, well, your uh, friend Robin, her and the Nightingale Watch, uh, they just rolled up into Juno one day. Didn't know what to make of them. But, uh, well, they helped us out in a tough spot. And Well, she said she knew you, and she talked highly of you, which was uh, fairly an odd statement, if you ask me. Well, I don't know. I felt I owed her one. So I came along. Wasn't much left in Juno anyway. After all that fighting ran through. I know I've done a lot of wrong, but I'm glad to see you see I'm trying to I'm trying to do right for once. Well, I can see that what you were doing was important. What's going on now with the faith? It's not it's not right. Someone's gotta do something about it. I think we're the men to do it. If you want to join me, I'm about to ask this man downstairs some questions. I'm sure you've got a few, too. Yeah, I think uh, some of my sheriff and experience might prove a little valuable on this particular uh, coincidence. Quinky dink. Oh, bonding time. So you're right outside the room. He says, all right, so uh, how are we going to do this? Good cop, bad cop? I take it you'll be the bad cop, of course. Knowing you. I think I've already made much of an impression of that. Yeah, that'll work with me. Yeah, sounds about right. I mean, why play against type? Mm-hmm. Well, you want to go first? All right. I'll see you down there. All right. You enter inside the wine cellar. Despite Lola's Can't. description of it, it is it is by all means quite well stocked. Can he open it okay? Once you've opened it, it has now been unlocked. Excellent. Yeah, love to open. You're inside. What would you like to ask Argus? Um, also, I'd like to um, make sure that he brings down food. Uh, my, my son brings down food for, for the prisoner. He does, yeah. Because I mentioned that earlier. But I'm not, not going to do it. Come back up. So Drifter will will look at him and say, well, you've seen a lot of our operation here. A lot of information that we don't want getting out. So you're going to need to tell us a few things if you want to stay alive. <sighs> yeah. Like what? What were you guys trying to accomplish? Getting those things like those even matter you're still three steps behind fool then what does matter what war ma- <laughs> nah you're so far behind I'll tell you what matters this guy's literally from three years in the past <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll tell you what matters ending the faith 
I've seen how you act. I've seen how you traipse about with your friends. You don't have any love for the faith. Why are you even sticking around with these idiots? I may not love the faith, but if we kill the faith, then what then? Chaos. Maybe in your mind. For the rest of us, I see it as liberation. Armando walks in, so he tags you out. He brings him a plate of food, and he says, Hey, you might, uh, you seem pretty hungry. Let's, let's chat for a little bit. Well, he'll, he'll take a time out. You know, he's not too bad. Drifter will kind of go up to the corner and lean against a barrel. Um, or not barrel, lean against a, uh, um, a, uh, a cabinet. I guess a shelf. What a shelf. You? Uh, uh, Drifter will go to the corner and lean against a shelf full of wine. He says, now, tell me, as my compatriot here said, uh, we've, uh, you've seen a little bit about what's going on here. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you're working for exactly? That doesn't have to be anything serious. Just want to get, you know, get to know who we're working with, you know? Want to work by at least on a first name basis. You're all talk. I'm not telling you shit. All right, if you don't want to talk to him, then you'll have to talk to me. And you'll pick up um, Argus and throw him against a, a wall. Uh, roll an intimidation check. Nineteen. Uh, he slams against the wall. His head hits the hits the wall. You see blood kind of pouring from it. He says, Ugh. "All right, not like it matters." Yeah, we work for a man. He goes by the name Puppet Master. I think you can surmise why he goes by that. Don't ask. I don't know his real name. Hell, I wouldn't tell you anyway. Well, the woman. She's named Shay. I think you've run into her a few times. You know your old friend, he smiles. Siegfried, of course. Good boy. How did you convince him to turn against us? Oh, I, he did that all on his own. I had nothing to do with that. I don't believe you. And he kind of forced him against the wall again. Roll another intimidation check. Yeah. Woo! Yeah! That's his 21. Very intimate. Uh, you slam against the wall. He, he starts coughing up blood. Um, your son says, hey, hey, take, take it easy. You can't talk if you, if you can't breathe at all. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he'll, he'll kind of put him uh, back in his chair. He says, Argus says to you, I wasn't lying when I said he came to us, not the other way around. And the last one, Skeleton. He's been there longer than me. Don't really know his story. Calls himself Mustafar. Mustafar Bones. Couldn't really... I want to get off Mr. Bones. Skeleton yeah, I know man. you do. Must- oh. Skeleton Man. Skeleton he, Man. Like I, my best friend. My best friend. <laughs> like I said, he's been here longer than me. I think he was some sort of... Necromancy. Gone wrong by the Puppet Master. Whoever he used to be... He's gone now. He's more like a manservant, really, than anything. And what's the goal? You destroy the faith. What? You guys get power? Uh, roll an intimidate check. 22. Um, says, yes. going very well. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Siegfried had a lot of ideas about what to do after the faith was gone. He smiles. Um, 
Your son, actually, uncharacteristically, uh, despite his role as the good cop, he picks up a bottle and he smashes it across Argus's face. Wow. His face. Did he say anything? It's a disgrace. He says, <laughs> the son of a bitch doesn't know what he's talking about. Cool down there, son. All he responds to is violence. It's all these people ever understand. We have to show we're better. That's rich coming from you. He steps outside. The gorilla man says, Something's really going to win me over, huh? Is that everything? We done here? We're going to have a many conversation about what to do with you over these next couple days. Oh, I look forward to it. All right, Lola, what would you like to do? I take comfort in having someone else to watch over, namely Rosalind, the little girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, too, seems rather, I don't know, amazed by all the sights, and she's speechless. She's speechless anyway, though. Always speechless. The two of us leave the larger party, and... Take a stroll around my former domicile. What would you like to show her? I walk along and point out certain pictures that I always liked. Well, anyway, just down the hall is our library. Um, it's full of lots of wonderful books. Um, and so I show her the library. Sure. You show her all about it. It's a fairly sizable library for the house. There's a lot of comfy chairs and a fireplace that you set up a nice little roaring blaze for you to talk. Well, hmm. you talk and her listen. I find uh, one of my favorite books is a very, very young little girl. And it's the story of the spider who came down one day uh, from her tree and happened to find this enormous girl eating curds and whey and upon seeing the spider is aghast shocked and runs away and hurts the poor spider's feelings and uh just kind of a it's a sad story (laughs) clearly a fairy tale but it's so beautifully (laughs) illustrated Mm -hmm. um and uh, actually it's all based on real events from what i recall (laughs) photographic yeah (laughs) little miss buffett um she points at the spider as you read the book, then she points to you. <laughs> and I kind of pat my pat my skirts and look at admire my legs and say, Yes, dearie, I am half spider. It's uh it's part of who I am, I suppose. She points at her uh kind of strangely sort of contorted demonic side of her face and she points at that and looks at you questioningly. Yes, well, I kind of run my hands along the side of her face um, and say, well, my dear, that's part of you, too. But you're beautiful, and uh, you'll be all right. Here, shall we find another book? Um, And uh, the two of us escape in some good novels. Something that neither of us, I think, have had the opportunity to do in quite a while. Josh, you head down to the wine cellar after Drifter and his son have left. Yeah. 
you see Argus in a right state. His face is fairly bloodied. Bits of broken glass still kind of stuck in it. Back of his head has an injury. He looks up at you and he says, <laughs> Well, well. Looks like the Faith's finally here to finish the job. Come on. You must hate me. Make it quick. Um, Josh will uh, sit down um, on the opposite side of the room as Argus mm-hmm. and just sort of look at him for a little while. Uh, does he say anything? Yeah, he does. He says, Don't talk much, do ya? Well, that suits me fine. Josh will, Josh will ask, um, So the puppet master gave you all those eyes? He smiles, says, No. I was like this when he found me. Josh will uh, take out um, his old knife and just sort of like mess around with it while he's talking to Argus and say, so were you born a weird gorilla or did that sort of happen to you? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, There's the classic faith courtesy. Very blunt, very forward. I missed it. Ah, I was like you once. What was your name again? Can't remember. Siegfried never mentioned it. Um, okay, so I just want to... <laughs> wow! Oh, no! Josh will sort of, like, consider and realize that in answering this question, he's probably just giving Argus more fodder and say, Josh. <laughs> I know what your name is. So stupid. <laughs> Siegfried told me you named yourself after the first priest. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. Oh, God. You really are a rube. Josh will put his knife away and look at Argus and say, so you don't want to tell me how you got all the eyes then? Or He looks out at you with his one good eye on his face, not the eyes on his chest. Right. He says, no, I'll tell you where I got the eyes. Faith did this to me. Josh will lean sort of in definitely interested and say you understand why i very much doubt that oh i'm sure you do thing is josh i was a paladin once too josh will get up and he'll uh sit down very close to argus and say the faith may not be here but I am the will of their laws. You understand how serious of a crime it is to impersonate a paladin. Oh, I'm well aware, Josh. (laughs) What I've been dead to them for years won't be any different. You finishing the job for them now. Besides, what was the thing they said again? Oh, the old oath. Only only paladins know it. The purely righteous... Don't complain in the dark, but increase the light. So go forth and bring light to the world. Wasn't that it? Let me tell you something, boy. The second the faith is done with you, they'll cast you to the side, used up and spent. Just like me. Just like Siegfried. Just like the puppet master. 
Chosh will uh, wordlessly get up, walk out, and come back with um, a uh, a cloth and sort of like put it on his foot, like leave it on his feet. Like that sounds funny, but like you can imagine, like he's just yeah. kind of like dropping it and say, clean yourself up. Aww. Hands are a little tied here, friend. Mind doing it for me? Ooh. I'm in a right state anyway. Uh. Come on. <laughs> Use your paladin magic. I'm sure you still have some. Josh will uh, say, all right, once. And he'll expend like the very little charge he has. You heal just barely closing any of his wounds. Says, <laughs> charitable as always. Oh, my fur, I forgot. You killed her. <sighs> what a rude man. Chosh is going to uh, punch him as hard as uh, a man can. Do I roll to hit here? No, you don't have to. Yeah. Roll yeah. damage. I would like to roll for damage. Yeah. I would like to do as much damage as possible. Right. Um, what's Jesus. an unarmed strike do? It's, is a that... D, it's a D3, but D, use a D4. All right, I'll do a D4. Just roll for damage. Okay, yeah, Chosh is going to use an albeit weak Divine Smite. All right, you're going to use D8s for it. Okay. So, oh, you use a, I guess actually just re-roll the D4 how many times you want to use Smite. Okay, so Chosh will use, I mean, I will say I have one Smite because okay. I, I already sure. healed him. Um, so Chosh will, that's three, that's four, that's seven. You punch him in the stomach. Holy energy radiates very faintly and feebly on your hand unable to fully conjure up a full smite. He buckles over, the wind knock out of him. He looks up and he says, <laughs> is that all you got? Pretty weak faith. All right, Josh is going to punch him again. <laughs> no! This is fair, this is fair. This is a regular punch. This poor man, this poor gorilla. He is asking for it. Oh, totally. He's, be- he's, he's, I mean, he's trying to convince me to kill him. him. He's, inc- he's incising you, yeah. yeah. I'm, uh, no, Josh is going to punch him... Uh, that's a three. Right in the collarbone. <sighs> you really are a fool. I had an old friend who used to say something about that. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Keep Sir Frederick's words out of your mouth and walk away. Josh, as you leave the room and you close the door behind you, you find your hands absent-mindedly touching the damaged part of your armor. Will you stab Sir Frederick? Join us again for the next exciting episode of Tabletop Theater in episode 24, Homecoming.